When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tuesday, September 7th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynes, the Indians fall 5-2 to uh, last night at Progressive Field in the opener against the Twins. Uh, they've had a tough time with the Twins this year. They're, they're what, 5-8 and eight against them in, in 13 games? And, uh, you know, everybody else seems to be handling the Twins pretty well. Uh, the Indians have struggled. And... Uh, you know, the, the one bright spot was Fran Mil Reyes. Uh, he hit a 423-foot moonshot into the to the bleachers uh, for the only runs of the game for the Indians. Uh, Fran Mill now has home runs in three consecutive games, and it looks like, uh, you know, Terry Francona is always fond of saying, you know, as cold as they get, they can they can get that hot and, and just carry you. They get just as hot and, and, and carry you. Uh, guys like Fran Mill can do that. Uh, and that's what we've, seen, what we've seen over the last three or four games. Yeah, definitely. That's a classic power hitter kind of, uh, you know, you trail a paper trail that he's left. You know, he was, what, 1 for 17 or 0 for 12 against Kansas City, uh, extends it to 1 for 17 the first game in uh, Boston, and then goes off. You know, he, he was 4 for 4 Sunday. He had the big game um, last night, another home run. Uh, came off the bench Saturday and hit the two-run pinch hit homer in the ninth to tie it up. So he's on one of those rolls. And, and Joe, it, it always amazes me. I, I know we've talked about this before, but uh, I used to watch Albert Bell do this. And when he would start hitting singles up the middle or to the right center field, you knew something was percolating in there, that the power was coming. And, you know, that's what, that's what, we, that's what I saw with, with Reyes on on that last trip, you know, that he, a a little single just kind of lights the fire and all of a sudden the ball is flying over the monster. So, so now we have to go and do uh, Albert Bell to Framo Reyes comps. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I got to, that's the next post I got to start deep diving on is, you know, how does Framo Reyes compare to Albert Bell's best three seasons with the Indians, that kind of thing. Oh boy. Uh, This is a deep, this is a deep dive that I do not want to undertake, especially <laughs> if it takes me into the, the, the personality realm because uh, Fran Mil Reyes and Albert Bell are, could, couldn't be more different in that way, you know, when, when, in terms of talking to each other. But, uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, Fran Mill, after he hit the pinch hit home run on what, Saturday was it? Yeah. Um, he, 
He didn't want to do press. He didn't want to do yeah, media. I, I didn't know I, what was going on. Yeah. That's that's, so that, that's unusual because we love our, you know, five minutes of Zoom time with, with Fran Mill after a game, especially after a, a game when he hits a big home run. I guess maybe because they eventually lost the game would be a reason why he he declined to to come in and, and do the Zoom. But uh, unusual, not uh, not not your typical Fran Mill in, in that situation. And I hope that's not a trend or a precedent that he uh, he sort of goes with. Uh, speaking of precedents or trends, uh, Logan Allen uh, came out, gave up five runs on, I believe, eight hits in this outing. Uh, again, not a not a great outing, but the one the one I guess positive you can take away from this, he was aggressive in the strike zone. He did throw his slider to both sides of the plate, and when. Uh, you know, that first inning when he gave up, uh, you know, two runs in the first 10 pitches of the game, he didn't let it completely derail at that point, which is what we would have seen uh, the first time around with Logan Allen this season. He, he was able to sort of, you know, right the ship and get the Indians, uh, you know, five and a third innings, which they, they pretty much desperately needed at that point. Yeah, that's a good sign. Definitely, Joe, because he, he was coming off two decent starts. Um, I think the twins knocked him around earlier in the season. And, uh, so this is a club that he's had some problems with. And, uh, but that's, a, that's maybe a sign of maturation here. Just, you know, a little guy, a guy that is getting more confidence. He's knowing, he knows that he's going to be, get the next turn in the rotation, especially if they say with the, the six, you know, the six man rotation here, or I don't know if that's just this week or how they, you know, handle these double headers coming up in the, in the, in, in uh, you know, next, next week in the, you know, that stretch of 10 games. But uh, yeah, I think we're starting to see, you know, a guy getting his feet on the ground and, and getting a chance that he knows that he's going to get a chance to, to pitch the next five days, even if, you know, his start doesn't go that well. Right. And, you know, you bring up a good point about being confident, uh, being comfortable in that position. Uh, really with Logan Allen, I think the whole, it's not mechanical. It's not physical. He's got the stuff. Uh, that slider is, it's a good pitch. He, he, he's got the stuff to pitch at this level. It's all just between the ears right now. And, and when he executes, he can be very effective. We saw that against a good Boston team. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just another, another arm for the Indians to, uh, kind of stockpile to consider and uh, what are they going to do with all these guys, Joe, if everybody. If well, if 2021 has shown back. us, if 2021 has shown us anything, it's that you can never have too much starting pitching uh, or, or arms uh, available. Uh, ask JC Mejia uh, about that. I think uh, you, you really have to. So is JC Mejia uh, even on still on the team? <laughs> hey, uh, this one's going to, this one's going to blow your mind. Uh, when's the last time James Karinczak pitched in a game? That, that's going to, yeah, That's well, a, you know, he's. I talked to somebody. I talked to. I think somebody was talking about that, and he is. He's down in tri AAA, but he's just working on the side, working really? on bullpens and stuff. Not working yeah. in games. Wow. Yeah. So they're the next. They're they don't want him pitching in games until they they think they got him straightened out. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, all right. Another uh, another stat, sort of <laughs> another area of of you know, I guess positive uh, momentum here for the Indians. Uh, right now uh, is on the base paths. Uh, they Miles Straw in the second inning last night stole uh, stole second base, 
and it was his seventh stolen base with the Indians, his 24th overall this season. But the Indians have now stolen 28 consecutive bases without being caught, without being thrown out. And uh, that's a franchise record. Uh, that's that's the most that they've they've ever had in their in their history since the stolen base was uh, was tracked as a stat. Uh, the major league record, I believe, is 40 by Boston in 2013 uh, across to 2014. But uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is a major league record that they need to be concerned about. But 28 consecutive steals is is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, that's really impressive. And uh, you know, they've got some speed. With uh, Straw, with uh, you know uh, uh, Rosario, uh, you know, and uh, down at the bottom, uh, Zimmer, and then him Jimenez has has stole some bases, three or four bases against Boston. So, uh, and I think you know, kind of the the uh, you know in the bushes, uh, trying to trigger man to this is Sandy Alomar at first base. Right. Yeah, Sandy's. Uh, I've been saying all along that uh, Sandy is the uh, the cheat code over there at first base. Any guy who can can give Austin Hedges and Fran Mill Reyes their first career stolen bases in in uh, in, in the same season uh, is he's he's sort of the uh, the steel whisperer over there at first base uh, and and he makes the difference for sure uh, and and you've got Jose Ramirez who again yeah. who runs the bases as well as anybody in, in in baseball and he'll take chances and he will you know most of the time be successful. You look at Rosario, he has not been caught this year. He's 12 for 12. Uh, same with Jimenez. He has not been caught this year. He's 10 for 10. I think Bradley Zimmer has been caught uh, once or twice. Uh, he's got 12 steals on the year. So, uh, again, the, the, the stolen base is sort of an obsolete stat uh, in, in the modern game of baseball, in the, in the, especially in the American League. But – you know, who knows? It could come back around again. It could come into play and maybe the team builds itself for next season around that speed and around that, that ability to take bases and, and move runners. Well, the key is Joe, if you're going to steal bases, you got to convert them into runs. Mm -hmm. You know, you, first you have to steal bases successfully with about an 80%, you know, success rate. Then you got to turn those into runs and, you know, you've got to hit them with runners in scoring position. You've got to show some power when you get those guys, you know, in scoring position. And, you know, they, you know, it's surprisingly, I think they've shown some power here. Don't you think with the, well, yeah, they, they've shown power. They have, what they haven't shown is the ability to put the bat on the ball in those situations. I think uh, after Miles Straw stole that base last night, uh, Ahmed Rosario struck out to end the inning. So uh, that, that's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, the, the unfortunate thing is, uh, you know, I believe since Miles Straw came over from Houston, his batting average on balls in play is uh, like 355, which is fourth in the American League, actually fourth in baseball uh, behind uh, Ahmed Rosario uh, in that time frame and Aaron Judge and Ty France from uh, um, Seattle. So he's among the best in the game at putting the ball in play and getting base hits. Unfortunately, he's the one on base at the top of that order that, <laughs> that you would want to be moving around. So, uh, you know, and I don't see him moving out of that spot anytime soon. But, but Miles Straw sort of fits that profile of get him on, get him over, get him in with yeah. uh, the ability to put the bat on the ball. Definitely. He's, uh, you know, he's kind of one of those action players uh, and – I think he's fit, like you said, Joe. He's he's been a perfect fit that in uh, not only in center field for his defense, but in that leadoff spot for being able to get on base and 
kind of, you know, giving his teammates chances. And if you look at it, if you look at him, even his lead, his first at bats of the game, you know, even when he doesn't get on base, he usually extends the count to three, two, or, you know, deep goes, works deep into the count. He gives his, his teammates a chance to see the pitchers, what the opposing pitcher has that day. Yeah. He gives you one of those uh, sort of Yankee at bats uh, or, uh, you know, the Red Sox at bats where they, 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 they see a lot of pitches. Those two teams always at the top of the league in terms of seeing number of pitches per at bat. Uh, you know, speaking of action guys and uh, guys who, who do a lot at the top of the order, Jose Ramirez last night did something that he hasn't done uh, in a full calendar year. Uh, it was September 5th against Milwaukee's Brandon Woodruff was the last time that Jose Ramirez bunted for a base hit. And you saw him in, I believe, his, his second at bat last night uh, drop one down the third baseline against that exaggerated shift uh, to the right side, and and he was safe at first on a ball that they could do nothing with. Yeah, that's a great play, and uh, you know sometimes you wonder why players don't do that. And I don't know if maybe uh, you know maybe uh, Minnesota felt like that was a win. You know, if he they'll they'll give him that bun hit every every time. Well, Framil Reyes followed that with a four hundred twenty three foot two run homer. So okay. I don't know how much of a win it was, but yeah, go on. <laughs> But yeah, but no, no. Yeah. But it's a good play. And I guess it just depends what time, what part of the game you do it in, but you know, everybody at, at home and, you know, watching on TV or in the stands last night saying, why don't they do that every time? You know, they, they went, especially against the shift. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because uh, Willans Estadio, the third, uh, at the time he was playing third base for the, uh, the twins, he came over and just sort of, he, he, you could tell that his uh, he was sort of beaten on the play. He just sort of kicked the ball foul, and the umpire, uh, you know, ruled, he ruled fair ball, obviously, because he yeah. touched it in fair territory. But Estadio was, you know, he's like, ah, you got me. Uh, what am I going to do? He doesn't move very well anyways in the first place. He's sort of a, a portly fellow over there at third base. So uh, it, was, it, it was just, you know, good to see that. Hey, if, if Jose is going to keep adding – little wrinkles like that, uh, he becomes impossible to defend if that's the, if that's the case. Yeah. And that'll be, you know, they'll, if he keeps doing that, they won't shift so much against him, and it'll uh, open up th- other holes on the field. They'll still shift against him. I mean, he's, <laughs> hey, you look at his profile, man, he is a dead pull hitter, no matter what side of the plate he's on. So uh, they will still continue to shift him. I'm sure. All right. Uh, the, with uh, Labor Day being yesterday and with the hall of fame induction ceremony, uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, uh, you've got to look at uh, the name that, that really jumps off the page right now. Uh, Marvin Miller waited so many years to, to go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, let's take this as an opportunity. You know, obviously, Miller means so much to the Players Association, uh, so much to, to labor and, and the, you know, the, the conditions that the, the, the players play under now um, with, with free agency and, and all that he did for Major League Baseball. Uh, players. Uh, we've also got to talk about the labor situation coming up here at the end of the year and whether or not there's there's even going to be a season in 2022. Uh, that could be in jeopardy uh, with the, uh, the the CBA uh, coming up, uh, coming due, uh, negotiations on that. Just uh, your thoughts on Marvin Miller going into the, uh, the Hall of Fame. Well, it's well-deserved, Joe, and it should have happened 10 or 12 years ago. 
I mean, I think this was maybe his fifth or sixth time on the on one of the uh, you know the ballots of the uh, you know the kind of the splintered veterans committee that has been splintered into three different groups, and he you know he certainly should have been in. Uh, what kept him out is that the ballot that the the electorate, the people voting on it, there was always a couple owners on there. And mm -hmm. the owners, they carry a grudge for a long time, man, and they kept him off. I mean, there's not a player today that shouldn't, you know, genuflect and make the sign of the cross when uh, when Marvin Miller's name is is, is mentioned because he, he formed the union, he, he made the union into one of the most powerful, you know, sports unions in, in, uh, in the world. Uh, Got free agency for players, you know. Raised the minimum minimum value. Got the uh, you know the reserve clause thrown out. Uh, beat the owners time and time and time in court. Proved that uh, the players would strike and would and the, the the owners would always buckle, always buckle, and the players stayed unified. And uh, you know he's made the he made the union what it was today. And there's still a lot of people. Still, a lot of older older owners and and you know baseball executives that resent that, and that's why it's taken him so long to get in. Yeah, I think uh, getting their reserve clause thrown out and Kurt Flood and you know the whole situation there uh, it just it it really set up set up or set in motion the the wheels for uh, just how we have come to accept the way that baseball operates now with you know with free agency and with you know, these, these salaries, it, it, it started the whole, you know, domino effect of that. And, uh, you know, you can see why the players should be, be reverent of him, uh, for certain for his contributions to the game and to just to their, to their ability to go out there and play it at the level that they do. Uh, the other, um, sort of aspect of this is that, you know, you've got this uh, collective bargaining agreement coming up at the end of the year now. Uh, they've already started. They've already made proposals and started, you know, sort of poking around at this. So we've heard about the uh, the possibility of a hundred million dollar salary floor, uh, something that's sort of a different approach to uh, addressing uh, the sort of inequities on, in payrolls and in, in the game. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on you know whether or not we're going to be playing baseball in in twenty twenty two at least on time? <laughs> You know, Joe. Whenever you talk about these two these two entities negotiating, you got to expect the worst. And uh, we've been we've been programmed to expect the worst. You know, we have had labor peace in baseball since '94. You know, it's the longest stretch in history. Um, I, well, maybe not in history, but since you know, probably the reserve clause was thrown out. And um, you know, I I think it is encouraging that they're talking now that they're not waiting. Till, you know the last minute to, to start these negotiations but you know the, you know the worst is coming you know storm clouds are coming and uh, you know I, I I really I don't know I can't predict anything I you know would there could there be a lockout you know I've been through all that stuff before and it, <laughs> and it's just it's just terrible it ruins the game you know it brought the game to the brink in 94 when they when they struck and and uh, canceled the World Series. And, uh, you know, it took, uh, you know, a long time for baseball to recover. And, uh, yeah. and both yeah. those sides know that. And if they want to do that to, again, this, you know, they're both, they, you know, uh, you know what do they say? A, 
a curse on both their houses. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it, it, they, they know what's at stake. And I think it's encouraging that they're talking now, but you know, that, you know, it's coming, you know, there's, there's going to be, it, the worst is yet to come here. Yeah. And, you know, for, for you as somebody who's, who's seen this and been through this before, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll rely heavily on your sort of uh, experience in this regard as we move forward over the next couple of months uh, while they negotiate this. Uh, the other guy, I, go- tried, I tried to erase that all from my mind, Joe, because it, it was so irritating, but, but uh, Hey, it, it is what it is. Yeah, that's uh, we, we can get into. More, believe me, there will be more discussions about this topic on this podcast uh, as we get closer to, uh, you know, the end of the season and beyond. Uh, the other guy going in, one of the other guys uh, besides Ted Simmons going into the Hall of Fame tomorrow, uh, Derek Jeter. Uh, obviously, uh, this is a guy who killed the Indians for for years and years and years. Uh, what's a standout moment for you? Uh, when you think of Derek Jeter, what's the the first thing that pops into your head? Whether it's you know him beating the Indians or him beating somebody else, uh, obviously the the iconic moment, the 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 flip against Oakland in the playoffs, uh, that play just sort of stands out to me. Uh, the idea of him diving into the stands countless times, you know, coming out all bloodied, uh, going hard after foul balls that way, uh, the, the the jump throws from from shortstop that he sort of uh, popularized and now everybody just thinks that, you know, they call out Jeter every time they, they jump and try to throw to first, uh, you know, those kinds of things stand out, but does, does anything in your mind, you know, pop out any, even if it's not on the field? Well, I think he made his debut against the Indians. Right. And I remember him uh, beating the Indians. I think it was in that game. He went out on a, you know, in the ninth inning with runners on base. I'm pretty sure he went, you know, kind of ranged into a left field and made a catch to uh, you know kill a rally, uh, but the thing that re- I, that I I remember is in the World Series I think maybe 2000 against uh, Arizona when uh, he extended the World Series to Game Seven with I think was a leadoff home run on November November first and the headlines the next day were Mister November you know so <laughs> it, I think that I'm 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 pretty sure. My memory's a little foggy, but I think he, you know, he extended that and to Game Seven, and they lost. But uh, that, you know, that that kind of kind of kind of symbolized Jeter. He wasn't a power hitter, but he did what he had to do in almost every situation to help the Yankees win. Yeah, he he wasn't a power hitter, but he he hit home runs when he needed them. And I I believe did he for his three thousandth hit wasn't his three thousandth hit a home run? I I'm yeah. pretty sure yeah. it was. Yeah. So, you know, uh, he was able to do things uh, at the plate that when he was fully healthy, he, he was impossible to pitch to uh, because he, he could, he, he could, you couldn't fool him and he could cover any pitch. So uh, I know uh, one of our colleagues, Mandy Bell, she grew up a, a huge Derek Jeter fan and, and she will, will tell you that he has all these iconic moments and everything like that. But, uh, you know, the ones that stand out to me are just him making the routine plays over and over again uh, at, at shortstop. And then just him coming up with so many hits against the Indians. He just, he just tortured the Indians at the plate. And, and that's, uh, you know, you love him, but you hate him. Yeah. I remember uh, when Corey Kluber might've been one of his early starts, he was facing the Yankees. 
he hit Jeter in the head in the batting <laughs> in, the, in the batting helmet. And I know Ruben Ruben Niebla was talking about that once, and he said, you know, I always wondered, you know, how Kluber was going to you know respond to that. You hit you know you hit the face of the Major League Baseball in the head, and uh, thankfully, you know, Kluber. I mean, uh, Jeter wasn't hurt, but it's nothing to laugh at. But you know, Kluber came back and, and pitched well, and and Niebla said that's when I knew that this guy was going to be okay. But, but I, and, and we talked to Jeter after the game, he goes, Hey, it hurt to get it. Yeah. It hurts to get hit in the head. Yeah. doesn't feel good. All right, Heinze. We'll, uh, as the series against the twins will continue tonight. We'll be back here tomorrow to talk about uh, Tuesday night's game here on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. All right, Joe.